Welcome to the Professional Ag Marketing Podcast. If you want a deep dive into the ag markets and risk management strategies, your search is over. Come here after every Friday to get your weekly commodity recap. Trading commodity futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. This is your host, Mike Miner. Let's get started. Today is September 8th, and I've got Jeff with us here today. How's it going, Jeff? Good afternoon, Mike. Good deal. Well, let's talk about a few fun things today. Let's, let's talk about... Let's start with an easy one, Miner. All right, I'll take an easy one off the bat. Has crude... I found it kind of fell asleep on the, at the wheel on this crude thing, so this thing has gone up a bunch this week. Easy to do when cars drive themselves, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Fair point. So if we haven't been watching, if we've been too busy cutting silage, that thing's crept up to... 87 and some change on the nearby here it's kind of been acting like uh it wants to stop going up here right around this 88 dollar mark that's 86 on the dece um does this matter mike uh, to our grain markets and such i think it does you've uh had quite a connection i think for um connection between crude oil going higher and ethanol, for example, as we've ran crude oil up higher here over the past, say, since about the end of June, we've finally started to post some decent ethanol grind numbers since then. And what's happening is I think there's a bigger development here where you're seeing crude oil work its way towards, let's say, $100, I think could be a very realistic expectation that a lot of people are trying to work their way towards uh, with this crude oil on the WTI. When you do get that, that has a direct correlation with profitability on ethanol. Sure and does. that, from a seasonal perspective, would be really important, I think, as you get into a new crop, as the river levels in the St. Louis area start to dive lower again from a seasonal perspective, which could hurt exports for corn. That makes profitability better for ethanol plants in the eastern uh, United States. So I think going forward, the ethanol market is being really supported by crude oil right now. And that's helping, that's being a little bit of a dark horse, really the only positive thing going on in corn demand, I think right now, Jeff, yeah, and that's gotta be, yeah, right along 105, 106 million a week. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple those that last week that are down a little bit. Um, but that sure seems to be where they want to be from a profitability standpoint. And that's, that's going to be a, Tick better than what the USDA's got plugged in currently. Yes, and if you go back to $100 on crude oil, I do think that's going to allow the funds to float back to buying corn a little bit easier. Sure. When I look at uh, the end of September, um, well, the end of August, when we pulled September off the board for corn, we saw open interest drop a lot on corn, like we've talked about in the past couple weeks. That money flow could potentially come back in if we get a good report on Tuesday. If crude oil keeps wanting to go up, I think we could see some more money flow go towards these commodities. Um, A couple things are going to have to line up. Uh, You know, the U.S. dollar right now is kind of surging. We've put quite a bit back on this U.S. dollar, which is going to make our exports less competitive out of the United States. Uh, That could keep some of the money flow out of uh, of these commodities, unless it sounds like inflation isn't stopping. If inflation's sure. not stopping, crude oil goes back to a hundred, and then gas. You know, we kind of I've heard four dollars at the pump now, uh, a little bit more than. So when you're starting to look at that again, 
And maybe money flow does come back into some of these commodities because of inflation again. Because a soft landing looks like it could be happening right now to where the United States isn't going to push themselves into a recession or a major recession, which would impact commodity prices a little bit. Yep. Well, that certainly seems to be the trend that we're on at the moment. So um, we mentioned this report next Tuesday, Jeff. We've got a WASDA report coming out. Uh, what do you think some of the expectations are for that report that you see that we could focus on? Well, I was, I guess I was pretty happy with uh, where the expectations were coming in here. I, I've got no complaints with them. Um, I think, uh, obviously, the main question on everybody's mind and the market's mind, I believe, will be on uh, the the yield expectations here on corn and soybeans, of course. So, you know, we've got expectations all over the board, right? As far as the range and in, in yields go, um, I was, it looks to me like most of what we're seeing uh, expectations on corn yield coming in. What at that one seventy three and a half, right? Yep. Down from a little over one seventy five on last month's um, bean yields, not quite taking a full bushel off. The soybean yields uh, puts that just uh, above 150 compared to the 150, or excuse me, 50 bushels compared to 51 last month. And, and 50, like under 50, that high 49 area, that doesn't seem crazy to me. But for correct. them to take off, you know, they were uh, 52 the month before that in July. So for them to take a couple bushels off in that time frame might be a stretch. I'm Two a little reports. bit worried about yep. the, the weather definitely wasn't conducive at the end of August for higher soybean yields, which concerns me a little bit on where they could come in for sure. But that's going to be a major talking point for sure. Is that line, if you come in below 50 or not, because about a range of expectations is 49 and a half about. So they do have, Ending stocks printed here um, at still in the, what, mid-250s? Yeah, 207, 207 is what they expect. 245 was what August was for okay. ending stocks on soybeans. So they think it's going to be a little tough to break that below 200. And I honestly think that once you do get ending stocks below 200 million bushels on soybeans, if you start to drop yield to make that happen you're probably just going to start dropping exports after that point to try to keep it somewhere around 200 at yeah. this point. That'd be pretty easy for them to do with uh, expectations or current pace on soybean uh, sales being behind last year. Very as true. We exited the, as also, we exited the trading year um, in September here. From a more major macro perspective, when I look at the U.S. ending stocks being really tight, and a higher U.S. dollar compared to the rest of the world with a uh, an advantage over us from an export perspective, along with the fact that they have wider or bigger uh, ending stocks for global on soybeans, uh, is going to make it tough, I think, sure. for uh, to be competitive on the global stage for soybeans going forward. So that'll have to play into this as well, because a lot of us have got this tunnel vision so far, I think, where we focus on our U.S. ending stocks. And boy, if we get it to 150 million bushels, it's going to be really tight for the U.S., which yeah, is right. We're going to have $15, $16 beans is what that math yeah. would tell you. But we may not have that type of reaction if global stocks are in a better place than they have been historically. So they'll be, it'll be easy to trim back the, the export demand. Um, I'm, I'm guessing we'll trim back the, the yield, but... 
I guess time will tell on that. The only the reason we would be wrong and the analysts would be wrong is if the the weather the first half of August was so good that that yeah. actually bumped our yield or the national yield and then now we took it back down. That's not our that's not our opinion, I don't think. Um, but that's all that's going to keep the Tuesday estimates uh, pretty interesting. Definitely. What else you got for me today, Jeff? What do you want to talk about? Well, we're going to have to talk about cattle, Mike. You right. can't have $195 cattle futures and not talking about it on uh, what's probably, arguably, I would say, the most popular agriculture podcast out there. Right? Steady as she goes, right? That cattle market, not necessarily making huge leaps and bounds at once, yep. but we just claw a little bit higher each day, don't we? It has been an interesting week. You know, we've we've consistently, boy, going back to last spring, all summer, um, traded at a positive basis. So what that means is you've got the cash market, of course, being quite a bit higher at times than where the nearby futures are. Always Futures always anticipating cash to drop um, in the coming weeks, right? And that, and it, and that some of those, as some of those weeks, it was right. Some of it wasn't, it really flip flopped here in the past week or so. So we do now have a dollar 83 October, um, nearby futures, and you've got a Southern bid that's still in that one eighty um, spot. So they're anticipating a $3 rally down there. The other thing that's, um, transpired over the past week or two is we've really narrowed in the northern bid compared to the southern. I was just going to say that 185 or 183 even in the north isn't nearly as competitive. That's right. That's, so that's putting our northern bid here at an even basis, which all of that is very common for September. It's just we've, we're not in common times, right? But what, what that really means is as the front end has gotten more optimistic, um, they also have pushed some more optimism into these deferred cattle futures. So that's you know now why we're seeing 187 on the decent and you're up over a buck 90 um, on February, and we've only seen that just a sprinkle of times. And uh, then of course the famous 195 record highs again on the April board. Mike um, continued to. See some pretty impressive numbers on on cattle, but as you hit new highs again in the cattle market, and it I don't it doesn't matter the way things are set up here. Um, we get pretty interested in these spring months. They're carrying a bunch of premiums to the nearby stuff as far as hedging opportunities, especially floors floors with some sold calls. All that stuff makes a bunch of sense here. Of course, contracted calves that are coming in here in October, or some small weight cross weights. Um, crossbreeds that are going into next summer that all that all looks really good at this uh, upper 180s creeping into that 190 territory mike it all it all makes quite a bit of sense with uh you know four dollar or five dollar low or upper high five dollar to upper four dollar corn here um that all pencils pretty well of course What's the longevity of this cattle market look like, Jeff? When you look at how long these high prices can last, what's your take on that and the stage of the cycle we're in from well, a very macro perspective? Yeah, from a very macro, if you just step back and stare at the cow herd numbers and stare at the heifer retention uh, numbers, it looks like it's going to be a long time. We really haven't trimmed back. Um, are on feed numbers in any great degree. As and, in a year or two or three? Yeah, it's a year plus for sure. 
Um, and I'm not saying the market's going to go up for a year plus, right? That's the other thing that's going to get interesting is at some point we're going to find kind of some a new high here and we're probably going to mess around for a while is what the heifer retention stuff suggests. You know, our last cycle, this thing went up straight up and obviously got way too high. Demand eroded, imports came in, and we all know the story of what happened there. There and and if you made me guess today, I would still be telling you that's what's going to happen on this cycle too. But as you look at the speed at which we're um, reluctant to replace heifers, meaning that we're just going to continue to erode the cow herd the way it looks, or at least flatline the cow herd versus put this V bottom in and immediately start building back the herd. It doesn't look like we're not seeing any signals of that happening. So what that could mean is you spend more time at high levels. That doesn't mean it needs to go up. It still means it can drop 10 bucks um, without any problem. But this might have a different look to it um, as we start to look at some shorter numbers. You might look at them for multiple years versus automatically and, and immediately correcting this market. All right. Any final thoughts for our listeners this week, Jeff? I think that's all I've got on my mind for now. I know the other thing we're looking at, uh, end users, um, don't forget about the corn market. Don't forget about the meal market. I think there's some things there to maybe take advantage of in front of Tuesday's report. Um, grain guys, Mike, much to do there. We've kind of looking at under crop insurance guarantees and not a lot of activity. Under crop insurance guarantees makes me want to see what Tuesday's going to do. Let's put it that way. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. And thank you to all our listeners. Please reach out to us at professionalagmarketing.com. Check out our other podcast as well, Professional Ag Marketing, that's released every Friday. Trading commodity futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. See you next time.